Dude, right? Like, nobody has ever asked Rolex about supply and demand. Anybody wants to sit here and tell me that nobody has asked Rolex about supply and demand until some schmuck from Yahoo Business shows up? Yeah, okay, I don't, man. Eh, I ain't buying that. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world, welcome to The Wind Up Merchants. How are you doing, Travis? I'm doing fantastic, Rick. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. You're sitting there in all your NASA regalia. Yes. Are, are you celebrating something? Is there is there is there something going on? Have they finally landed on the moon? And I don't know about it. I think we discussed this last time. We actually landed <laughs> in in the the deserts of Nevada. We never actually went to the moon. Do you have you ever? I've been to Florida a couple of times, and I've seen a rocket launch. I saw who was it? It must have been a. An Elon Musk one uh, oh, yeah. a couple of years ago. Have you ever have you ever been to Cape is it Cape Canaveral? That's what it's called in Florida, isn't it? Oh, oh, oh. Kennedy Space Center, repping the gear. <laughs> Literally bought the t shirt. <laughs> I have I've been there, I've bought the t shirt, I have the hats. So are you a space geek? You must be because you're a speedmaster. Is that not the rules? You have yes, to sign away I, your life. Space. I grew up in the sci fi situation. Uh, my whole family was big into sci-fi. My grandfather was big into sci-fi. So sci-fi has been a large part of my upbringing. So naturally the cosmos are of, of interest to me. So Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, see, that's the right, an- that's the right answer. That's it. That yeah. That's the right answer. Star Wars, Star Trek is for boomers. I'm going to go ahead and throw that out there. <laughs> Yet another differentiation. See, I think technically, no, am I a boomer? I don't think I am. I think what comes between boomers, no, am I Gen Y and then millennial? I'm not quite a millennial. I'm a millennial. I was in the seventh. You when were you nineteen eighty something? Eighty nine. Eighty nine, right? Yeah, okay, so. so you're kind of late. You, you, you've obviously had a hard. What we call over here a hard paper round, Travis. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Stressful <laughs> life. <laughs> Anyway, so this week we are going to continue from a trail conversation because that's been some news. We're going to have a quick talk about Rolex. Then later on in the show, we've got a couple of new segments. You're going to hear the first of what we're calling the elevator pitch. And you're going to hear the first of our five in five recorded by Pete from Not So Obvious Watches and greatly done to the theme tune for all of those in the UK who will recognise it of a famous 1980s biscuit. So you've got that to look forward to. Very but this is, Very uh, is a, yeah, is a community show. So once you hear these segments, if you are a small brand, an independent brand, a big brand, and you want to give us your own elevator pitch for something new you've got coming, then get in touch on Instagram. And if you've just got a favourite top five watches that you think the rest of the world should know all about, then again, get in touch and you can record your own top five for the show. So Travis, tell us what's been going on in the world of Rolex this week. They have broken their silence and apparently Rolex just saying anything is like... It's like the white smoke coming out of St. Peter's. Uh, it you know, was Rolex have spoken. Oh, and it came out of nowhere. And it came to Yahoo Business. It was like, what? anybody can coax a response out of Rolex and it's Yahoo? But okay, whatever. Well, this is what they responded to Houdinki, which is they said to Houdinki, why, Houdinki said, well, why did you respond to Yahoo? And apparently they said to Houdinki, well, they asked. Oh, so okay, oh. Rolex. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, it is a bit of a strange one. You know how many people have asked Rolex in like the last 
five years what's up with their supply and demand issues and yahoo's who ask and they're like oh yeah we got this <laughs> yeah no i don't nah, i don't buy that one that's what i thought about the rolex article it made it seem as if hodinky had never asked the question dude right like nobody has ever asked rolex about supply and demand Anybody wants to sit here and tell me that nobody has asked Rolex about supply and demand until some schmuck from Yahoo Business shows up? Yeah, okay, I don't, eh, I ain't buying that. When was the last time anybody heard from Yahoo Business? Probably. Enron crisis? Probably when they <laughs> lost their butt selling to Mark Cuban. So tell us what Rolex were saying. You've written an article on this for a wrist enthusiast. Yes, I re- wrote a very wordy article. It was going on 2,000 words at one point, and I could have probably put in another 2,000 words and still barely scratched the surface. But essentially what ended up happening is Yahoo Business did an article on the luxury watch industry. Talked a little bit about how it was affected by COVID and some other things that they threw in there. Um, a lot of kind of surface level stuff that, you know, from a watch enthusiast, you're like, This sounds like something that maybe people don't really know what they're talking about for this. But of the whole article, they coaxed the response from Rolex out of out of the the like their marketing department or something. They actually issued a statement to Yahoo about what was going on with their supply and demand issue. Um, And it's real. It's lengthy. I'd say it's lengthy. It's probably a couple hundred words. But essentially what it boils down to is uh, Rolex. Rolex is not a business strategy for Rolex to limit supply. They kind of go on about how they have a finite amount of watches they make each year. And because of that, they're not going to compromise on quality. Um, And uh, more or less at the end, they kind of threw this, Oh, by the way, Rolex doesn't sell watches. Only our retailers do, which I, again, it came out and there's, you got like, two schools of people on that you have the people that are like oh okay yeah that makes sense they only have a certain amount you got kind of got like the level-headed enthusiast and then you've got the other side of the spectrum which is like yeah right rolex yeah we all know that's not true y'all are lying to us and boycott rolex like in fact i saw something on instagram where somebody was trying to make boycott rolex a trend like okay good luck <laughs> um yeah but So all that to say, the way that it kind of read to enthusiasts was, it's not our fault. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. We're the best. We're also the best. Did we mention that we're the best? Don't forget that we're the (laughs) best. And then also, it's not our fault. It's our retailers. So that's kind of like how it read to like your modern day enthusiast. Does that make sense? Uh It makes perfect sense. I mean, basically, they could have said anything in a statement and everybody would still have had exactly the same cross of reactions to it from yeah that's okay to going absolutely nuts bonkers insane over the fact mm-hmm. that Rolex have actually been said I mean the fact that actually the main, one of the main things we're talking about is that Rolex have spoken uh, you know it's like Moses coming down with the 10 commandments dude, that's what I'm saying <laughs> here's the thing if I uh, the way that I feel about it, and I, I get it. Like as a business, I get Rolex. Like there's, I don't think there's a lot of people who really understand how Rolex operates that are mm-hmm. very loud, have very, very loud opinions on how Rolex does things. I, yes. I like to believe that I really, I understand Rolex's situation. It's like Fight Club. Rolex is like Fight Club. If you, you you just don't talk about it. If you work for Rolex, you just don't talk about the fact you work for Rolex. Right. And even if you do, it's 
you know, it's very, I can't think of a company that has more like vanilla professional relationship with the public. You know, it's the, like the Rolex is like the Stepford wives of like <laughs> watch brands. Like you, the, and that's Cold. what I was just about to say is I think that you could have put a team of enthusiast writers in a room for a month to write a response to Yahoo business. And they would have been, they would have come up with the same exact expected response that Rolex can. It literally could not have been a more like generic Rolex response to anything Rolex could have responded to. It was just yeah. so quintessentially Rolex that anybody who knows anything about Rolex should never have been blindsided by what they said. But I mean, I, I just think it's extraordinary that it's happened. Yeah, I agree 100%. Like, I mean, why, why have they decided to... I mean, as you say, the response is exactly what everybody would expect. So it's exactly what everybody knew it was going to be without them having to say it at all. Yep. So why bother saying it at all? And why bother saying it to Yahoo Finance I, or business? Or Yahoo Business, yeah. It's, I, just, it's just very weird. It's odd. It was a very odd place for that response to come out. And the, the, the weird thing about it is because of the way that it came out, there were only like a few like really like small publications that really picked up on it because apparently people yeah. still read Yahoo Business. So it was one of those <laughs> things where it's like like – and they're, they're respectable, like reescapement. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. They're they're fair. Yeah, they're yeah, like yeah. reescapement again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they're they're great. They first. They're, they're great little yeah. publication, and they popped out with just the little cards that kind of mm -hmm. you know shared what Rolex statement was. And they, I don't want to say they went viral, but in the watch industry anyway, they were getting tons of tons of information because they they, I don't want to say broke the story, but they yeah. they came up because somebody there, I guess, was led on to the Yahoo Business article about Rolex and. It was just so under the radar at first that I think that people were like blindsided, one, by the fact that Rolex said anything at all, because that is still very odd. You don't expect Rolex to just come out and make public statements. That's not what they do. Um, and two, that the response was just so generic that everybody was like, well, yeah, we know. Yeah, I did notice that in Watch Pro, the headline, the subs headline was Rolex breaks silence on alarming shortages and soaring waiting lists. That's dramatic. It's like, no, I was just trying to get some drama into quite a generic statement. Yeah, I mean, there we go. And that's, I think, a lot of, I think that's what a lot of this has, has boiled down to is a lot of it was so kind of out of left field that it became just like a, like a breaking news, like big deal. Mm. Rolex breaks silence on, you know, huge supply shortage. Like they're not short. It's not a shortage. It's you can't keep, you can't be short of luxury goods. No, That's they, not a thing. They, they, well, and not only that, it's just like <laughs> like one of the things that is just it bothers me the most about the vernacular of the whole thing is Rolex. Rolex is very content with the way that Rolex does things. They're not. Mm -hmm. They're not a brand that is like we. Oh, we got to keep making more money. We got to keep like they have been making money hand over fist for so long that they're not going to change their production model to meet demand that they don't set anyway. Like you know what I'm saying? Like they're yeah. they're going to continue making whatever their 10% growth each year, whatever it is that they're they're making each year, and they're going to be content doing that, and they're going to expect you to be content with that's how they're doing. So. I, being outraged at Rolex 
is you might as well you you'd have you'd probably have more effect throwing and screaming and kicking a brick wall than you will being mad at Rolex because at least at some point you're gonna kick the wall down, but Rolex they they don't you know you 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 might as well be yelling into the wind. Yeah, I do think, but the one thing that's always struck me as extraordinary about Rolex is they're a big organization. Sure. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. they're huge. To make somewhere between 800,000 and a million watches a year, that's a big infrastructure. Sure. Bearing in mind, they don't, as as Rolex like to point out, they don't sell any watches. Nope. They only sell them to wholesalers, the ADs, who then sure, sell them to, mm-hmm. to the public. The fact that it's such a big organization, but that you never get anything out of anybody... Like, nobody leaks within the organisation. You know, it's incredibly rare for you to get any sort of insight into what's going on behind the scenes. They don't seem to respond very much to press unless you're, yeah. Maybe it's a Yahoo. Maybe it was just like they decided to respond to whoever was at the end of the alphabet. Yeah. Like, they've got... got, Oh, yeah. It was just... Do the guy with Y in his name. (laughs) And, like, like, it could very well be that somebody in Rolex is getting their butt reamed out right now. Because they responded when they shouldn't have responded at all. You know, I, I, it's very possible. We don't know. I, Quick search on LinkedIn to see if there's any Rolex employees seeking new opportunities. Just go hit LinkedIn and find out where they're at. Um, <laughs> one of the, I, I'll tell you a quick story about, I, I haven't had very many experiences with Rolex, uh, like actual Rolex corporate. Um, mm-hmm. And I was at an event, and I'm not going to name the event because I don't want to get the people in trouble. But I was at an event and I was actually, we were sitting down for lunch at the event and I was talking to somebody from Rolex marketing, marketing mm-hmm. department. Um, and this was in like 2015, 16, somewhere in there. Um, and one of the things that we were talking about is like, this was, I was right kind of at like the, the beginning of like the real like soaring prices, you know, like on the gray market. Like it was one of those things that was relatively fresh on the market and people were talking about it and you know, Rolex, Rolex had a, uh, a big thing with like, um, like private watchmakers and stuff is they couldn't get parts for Rolex. Cause that's always been a thing with them. So, uh, one of the things that we were talking about was, was the complete lack of actual press releases from Rolex. They kind of just wait and release everything at one time. You know, you don't see a lot of actual word of mouth from Rolex. Like you don't see, you don't see anything come from their mouth to, mm-hmm. to their crowd. So, one of the, 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 literally the guy looked at me when we were eating lunch and he goes, he goes, well, like, why would we? Like, why would we? Mm-hmm. I mean, they sell out of every watch they, they make. I mean, realistically, short of like some of the precious mod, if they're going to make a steel watch, they're going to run out of them. They, and they yeah. know that. They know that. Mm-hmm. They, could, they could switch their entire business model to steel Rolex and it still would not affect the, the fact that they would sell out of those watches. Mm-hmm. And so they don't really feel the need to actually discuss anything with realistically anybody because they 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 know where they stand in the market and it doesn't matter what they have to say and it doesn't matter what enthusiasts have to say to them um it's just the way that rolex operates and you kind of see in their sponsorship model because they're never other than maybe roger federer yeah they're always the title sponsor Mm -hmm. if you like like formula one Rolex is everywhere, yep. but you never see a guy from Rolex. No. Whereas, you know, Richard Mille, Tag Heuer, Brement, all these other watch brands that sponsor teams you do from time to time, see in the background someone who's clearly from that brand yep. representing, you know, basically getting their freebie to the Formula One. Sure. You just never, you just never seem to 
maybe there's all just, as you say, Stepford Wives, they're all just automatons in the background, but you never seem to see anybody from Rolex Corporate jigging it up at these events that they sponsor. Yeah, and that's the thing, and it's wild. Like, you'll have the, like, we just, uh, we just, we're, we're talking, uh, a buddy of mine and I were talking earlier about uh, the bridges, which is just a big thing that just happened out in the Hamptons. And there's watch brand representatives everywhere out there. Richard Mill. Uh, I mean, they're just everywhere. They, they, there was people representing brands all over the place out there at an event. Rolex doesn't feel, doesn't need to do any of that. And they know it. Hmm. Like, there's no point in them flying people out to events to rep a watch that you that the average person at the event isn't going to be able to get anyway. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. like they, for, for Rolex, they don't feel the need to do it. And, you know, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to drag Rolex. I mean, realistically, they're they're a genius business. I mean, they just they could care less if you're disappointed. It doesn't affect them. For what is fundamentally a a completely pointless product that they produce, sure. it is pure luxury. Yep. It ha- there's zero modern technology involved in it. Okay, oh, no. maybe materials and stuff, but it's not like digital or electronics. So it is fundamentally completely obsolete. Yeah. For them to be able to make as much money as they, you know, Ford doesn't manage to make lots of money from still selling the same thing, selling the Model T. They have actually had to move on with the times. Yeah. But Rolex seldom or at very incremental stages, very small stages, do they they change the product. And much slower than every other brand who's always seems to be peddling like a duck underneath while trying to float serenely at the surface. Yeah, and they know that people are going to eat it up. It doesn't matter to them. It's like we put the new movement with the silicone hairspring in the deep sea, and it's like 357 articles later about we tapered the lugs this much more. It's like, okay, no, like, like people, ca- they know that people care enough about their brand to then go out and buy enough deep seas that they don't have to make any more that year. Cause it's going to be sold out before it even hits mm-hmm. the shelves. Realistically. I mean, and do you think there's anything that Rolex could do that would actually, I suppose in modern parlance, get them canceled. Is there is there any way that this company actually makes a monumental enough mistake that a Breitling or an Omega or a whatever actually catches them up in public consciousness of being the go-to watch brand? I feel like Rolex could come out and do a collaboration with Invicta and people would eat it up. <laughs> <laughs> here here and, first. And, and Rolex is one of those weird brands that like the the Rolex collectors and the fan bases for Rolex it won't matter what they do they'll defend it you know what I'm saying like they, there's never going to be a model that they make that people are like oh yeah that's ugly like it's never gonna happen like they might make watch it like I think the Yachtmaster is not a very aesthetically pleasing watch the Yachtmaster 2 is beautiful but the Yachtmaster itself to me, does not feel like a quintessential Rolex watch. It doesn't. It, to right. me, I, I don't know why. I feel like it looks like a Seiko, but it's a quintessential Rolex watch. It's just, it, and it's it's beautiful. I just, it doesn't, to me, there's nothing about it that I'm like, oh my God, that's a beautiful Rolex. Like it's not, it's not, it doesn't, but go, go, go try to find a steel yacht master. You'll never find it. And the people who buy it will defend it to their grave. Because it's Rolex. 
So I just I don't mm. see Rolex ever really releasing anything that they have a hard time. Do you remember when Oyster Perpetual? You remember like six years ago when Oyster Perpetuals were like the entry level Rolex, and people who wore Oyster Perpetuals used to be like roasted all over the internet because like oh it's the only Rolex he can afford. Do you remember <laughs> when that like those were the days? Well, look at the uh, what's the what's the model with all the fives on it? Oh, the Air King. The Air King. I mean, yeah, look, the, the Air King. King. The Air King used to be kicked around, and now oh. people are like, "Oh, the Air King will be love the Air King." Now it's now it's got a forty percent premium it. on Chrono Twenty Four. <laughs> it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like people are going to. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I had. I'll recap my thoughts on this real quick. I had three points in my article about Rolex that really that struck out to me um, about their response, um, and it, I it about sums up the way that I like really feel about the way that they responded and the way that Rolex as a brand operates towards enthusiasts. Um, and my first point was that they don't care if there's a shortage. They don't care if there's, they're not meeting demand because they don't, they're not the ones who set the demand. They don't, they, they don't care what the demand is because they are going to sell out of whatever they make. So, and they know that currently. So to me, they're Whatever happens on the gray market to relic to Rolex they might pretend like it's not, but it's really irrelevant. A lot of publications came out and said, "Hey, this cheapens the brand. This does whatever." I don't. I don't think it. It really does because Rolex makes their money by selling to ads. They could raise the prices to meet the market prices on Corona Twenty Four. They could raise them if they wanted to, but they're not going to because there's no need to. They're content with where they're at. So that was the first point that I made that I felt about it. Mm-hmm. And the second point I made is. The secondary market isn't going to affect Rolex like people think that it's going to affect Rolex. The gray market doesn't – it's largely – from a business model, it's irrelevant to Rolex until it starts actually cheapening their brand. Rolex cares about the prices that they sell to their 80s. That's what Rolex cares about. And those can those can be raised, and you've seen them raised. I mean, we've seen them raised a few times now. Yeah. You know, Rolex has raised the prices a few times in the last few years. That's not to the gray market because the gray market doesn't care about that. Because if you if you have the access and you have the money to buy, you, you okay? I think that, let me let me back up there. You have two sides of this. You have the access to buy one at retail, which if you have that, that's a serious flex. Mo- like the majority of people do not have the access to walk into Rolex and buy what they want to buy. Most people do not have that access. The other side of that is you either have then you either have the money to buy it on the secondary market and not care what it costs. So those are the two yes. like flexes. So the gray market doesn't matter. I, like from a business standpoint, I can't see why Rolex cares about the gray market It's money that they could have, but if they're content making the money that they're making now, what does it matter? If the industry thinks that a Submariner is worth 30 grand, why does Rolex care? They should, they don't. So, and then my third, the third, uh, point that i made and is that it's really nothing is going to change unless people just stop buying rolex which is simply not going to happen it's never going to happen so a lot of people a lot of people ask me if it's a bubble do, do you think this is a bubble in rolex and it's like i don't think it's a bubble at least not in the the short term it might be like a long-term problem for rolex if people's perception mm-hmm. of rolex is that they're priced way higher than they should be but i mean what do you i mean you're talking decades down the road as long yeah. as the gray market continues to sell at such high pre at any premium, really, I mean, at any premium, you can either go by low premiums and volume or high premiums and access. Either way, as long as those, as long as the gray market is selling at a premium, people will buy Rolex and droves. It's what they will do. It will be a safe yeah. investment. It'll be a, it'll be, it'll essentially be liquid money. 
they're going to keep doing that. So unless people just completely stop buying Rolexes, this is the new normal for the brand. Yeah, interesting. Well, you can read Travis's article on wrist, uh, at wristenthusiast.com and I believe Travis will be speaking to Craig, who is Mr. Wrist Enthusiast at some stage for the Mr. show. Mr. Wrist Enthusiast so we'll himself. Yes, so we look forward to that. So that's it for the Rolex chat. It's now time for the first of our elevator pitches. Which floor, please? The 11th floor, please. My name's Ken. I'm the founder and designer behind Arkham Watch Company. The Instrumentum, which is coming out soon, started as a quest to deliver the most daily capable dive watch at the most affordable price. 300 meters, fully titanium, with an integrated bracelet and an extension clasp for only 500 US dollars. Every design decision was a conscious effort in working towards a precisely practical timepiece that has a seamless wearability for literally anyone. It's a watch I hope enthusiasts like yourself would be proud to wear, and a watch that non-enthusiasts can rely on to do the only job that they bought it to do. There's only going to be 300 made, so if you want one, you're going to have to sign up on Arkham.uk to be the first to find out when it drops. Um, the 15th of September, but the time is still to be confirmed. Thanks a lot for hearing me out, and uh, see you later. This is Pete from Not So Obvious Watches, and Rick's asked me to give you five in five, my five favorite watches out there in the world right now. When Rick first asked this, I went back and said, mate, that's pretty broad. Is it like my five favorite in my collection? And he said, no, it's the five favorite watches out there in the universe. Make your own rules. So that's what I've done here. I have made my own rules. These are my five favorite watches that I love, that are attainable, that are within reach right now, but I'm not going to buy because of some stupid, self-imposed, self-inflicted collecting rule that gets between me and owning any one of these. Note, there is always a probability that in a moment of weakness, I'm going to break one of my rules and end up buying one of these watches. Okay, so coming in at number five is the Omega Speedmaster Mark II reissue from 2014. And it's important that we probably have to go back in time to the 2014 edition because I don't want just any old reference. I want the one with the grey dial and the ready orange hands. Why? It's because whilst I really like all of the Speedmasters and the Moonwatch and the Professional, etc., etc., but it's those 1970s details of that Speedmaster Mark II reissue that just catch me. I love the watches of that time. They were bold. They were out there. They were looking to the future, looking to cut ties to the past and forge a new direction. And with the gray dial and those orange markers and the black and the white, it's all just there, reaching for the future. And that's a watch I just love. But it's on the edge and I'm probably not likely to buy it. 
Okay, so coming in at number four is a Bulgari Octo Finissimo, but I want it in steel, not titanium, and I want it in the sandblasted rhodium coated uh, version, not the more recent polished version. Okay, so the new one is great, polish is lovely, and the uh, 100 meter water resistance that you get with the new version it would be welcome. But that Stormtrooper vibe that comes through with the white one in a much more meaningful, uh, I hesitate to say manly way, and I don't mean manly in terms of gender, I more mean sort of grown up and mature looking than you get with white ceramic watches. Throw that look in with the stunning Bulgari Octo Finissimo case and I'm all over this like a dog on a drop chop. I really want this watch. Okay, so I'm coming in at number three of my top five is the Jajala Cultra Polaris Mariner Date. I do like the Memovox one as well, but it's probably just a bit too thick, a bit too fancy, a bit too expensive for me. So what is it about this watch that I want? First off, I want to love the idea of Jaja Lecoult. The, the a brand where these two guys were working together for years before it even occurred to them they should have a brand name has a kind of purity that I just want to be part of. And whilst generally their watches tend to be more on the dressy side, when they go tool watch, Jaja Lecoult tends to go a little bit crazy and do way more than normal watchmakers would do. And all of that comes through with the Mariner date. It is so much more than it needs to be that it's almost enough for me to want to buy this, even though it's not really the sort of thing I collect. Okay, so coming in at number two is the Kodoki Handwork Kodoki 2. I'm going through a bit of a German phase at the moment. They've got this, a lot of the German independents are really treading this interesting line between the formality and the craft that you'd expect from anything German, but also a sense of playfulness and decorativeness that is really different to what you would expect. And all of that comes home in the Kodoki 2. If and, and the the key feature for this is that 24-hour day-night indicator up at the 12, it is glorious and interesting and amazing. And if that wasn't slave to the local hour, but was in fact settable as a GMT function, I would have my deposit down on this watch right now. So thank you, Mr. Kadoki, for not making that a GMT and keeping this off my list for the time being. And coming in at number one is the Fears Brunswick Midas Silver. I just love this watch. It is absolutely gorgeous. The way, in particular, the hands and the indices are so sharp and so carefully thought out. They are... Who can take a tiny little indice on a dial and turn it into a work of art? Well, at the moment, I would say Nicholas from Fears Watches can. Now, what's getting in the way of me buying this watch? If this watch came as a GMT, I would be all over it. I have actually reached out to Nicholas and asked, is he intending to make one of these? He is not. And therefore, right now, the Fears watches are kind of off my radar. That said, I would love to own one of these. And if anyone's ever heard Nicholas in being interviewed, who doesn't want to make him happy? So I would love to own one of these. 
I'm constantly going and checking. I have asked the owner of the company if he would make one. So far, doesn't look like it's going to happen. So I'm not likely to pick up one of my very favorite watches right now, the Brunswick Midas Silver. Now it's time for the wind up, wind down. Okay, so time for our closing words this week's wind down. I'm going to go a bit different because I really want to highlight somebody. So those of you that have joined us for the first few episodes may have noticed our slightly different take on show notes. And uh, uh, Mr. Will Charlesworth from Inquisitive Pheasants has been doing our show notes. So we think you should go and check these out. These are these are just amazing drawings that he's done trying to sum up everything that's in the show and our plan depending on whether he manages to keep going with them or not because it's it's not without its challenges shall we say time consuming <laughs> it's a bit time consuming uh, is to maybe give away either the originals or some prints of these or put them all into some sort of auction ah, we'll, we'll figure out something good to do with them at some stage but you absolutely need to go and check out it's it's a bit like Marvel movies. There is like little what do they call them? Easter eggs. Easter eggs. That's it. There's little yep. Easter eggs in each one. Now the key thing is, I want them now to have to do the kind of whole Spider-Man meme thing because we are talking about ah. him doing pictures from the previous shows on the show, and I want to know how he's going to deal with that in terms of the kind of whole mirror through the looking glass type. Type. Yeah, don't send us a copyright, Paul Feige. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so go and check out Inquisitive Pheasants and everything that Will does. It's great, and there'll be more coming from him for the show. We're going to get him on the show uh, to speak. He's a great guy, funny guy. Insanely talented. Insanely talented individual. Oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, great stuff. So what about you, Travis? What's, what's, what's making you relax this week away from watches or within the watch world? What is your wind down? <sighs> you know, it's kind of weird, Rick. Something I've really gotten into is like a, you're going to be proud. You might, maybe you're not going to be proud of this. Maybe this is more of a UK thing, <laughs> but tea. Okay. Tea. All right. Okay. Tea. You've got into tea. You know, like the, right, okay. the plant water that y'all drink a like cuppa. crazy. A cup of tea. Yeah. That, you know, maybe that's more of a UK. Is that a thing in Scotland? I'm, I'm ignorant. Yeah, yeah, so. no. Tea, 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 tea's a, tea is a UK drink. You would have a cup of okay. tea. Uh, you, th- you, get, you get what's called builder's tea. Okay. Uh, which is just really dark, you know. Uh, you get what's called lighthouse tea, which is blinking near water. Okay. So that's just where you put the tea bag in, very oh, little, yeah, yeah, yeah. little mm-hmm. bit of milk. So it's lighthouse tea. You get what, what, around my part of the world, if you asked a guy outside... Would you like a cup of tea? What would you like your tea? They would tend to say coo and two. Never heard of that. Meaning cow and two, so milk and two sugars. Coo and two. Uh, I like honey. I'm I'm in that. So that's kind of my wind down. Yeah. Yeah, My my nightly routine lately has been I have a it's like a lavender chamomile tea with some honey. Right. And that puts me right out. And if you got You'd slippers think, and a wee a wee foot spa and a oh, wee neck you know, rub I wouldn't, and... I wouldn't, I wouldn't turn it down. <laughs> uh, but like that is like you'd think I had a bottle of bourbon to pass out. Like that's how, <laughs> that's how hard like the tea gets me like ready to sleep. So you know, we've been, I've been, 
yeah, you know, with the wrist enthusiast stuff, I've been doing a lot of writing um, mm-hmm. late into the night. And so yeah. uh, when I'm done and I'm ready to like turn my brain off, that's what I go and get. Mm-hmm. So, and have you tried like proper like English breakfast? Yes, tea, I have an English breakfast. That's my morning tea. <laughs> right. Okay. And are you using tea bags or are you doing it properly? Tea leaves and a little dispenser so, and you dip it in. I had one of those. I had one from Tiavana, which isn't really proper. I guess that wouldn't be considered proper tea. But yes, I did have one of the like scooper things where you scoop the tea out and put it in the cup, but it broke. Okay. So I've been using bags the last couple of days. Right. And the, one of the big questions over here is you've got to decide, do you put that? It's a bit like, you know what a scone is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think over there you basically call them biscuits. Yep, pretty much. Uh, it's the same kind of thing. Kind of similar. Essentially the same thing. So over over here, the argument would always be, do you put the jam on and then the cream? Obviously in Tennessee, you put it in gravy. I was going to say, yeah, we put it in gross. gravy and throw some chicken on it. But it, Exactly. So I'd fry it. I mean, you'd think you were Scottish. <laughs> the, uh, so which way around? So but the TRT debate is, do you put the milk in the cup? then the tea bag, and then the boiling water over the top? Do you boil the water, put the tea bag in, then put the milk in? Do you boil the water, or do you let it get to just less than boiling? There's all sorts of debates over that kind of thing. So, so here's my here's my uh, routine. When The last time my wife and I were in Italy, they didn't have coffee in the room. They had a kettle that boiled water. Hmm, so you put the tea bags in the kettle, didn't no. you? No. So I didn't know what it did. So we figured out what it was. Because you don't have kettles. You don't have kettles in the states. We do, but we don't use them. Like I like if it's I'm making weird. a tea, I'll just like like typically what I used to do before. So I'll just say we bought a kettle for the house. But yeah. before uh-huh. then, right. I used to just heat like I would just put water in a mug and microwave it because uh-huh. you know yeah we have microwaves for it's, everything. It's- it's extraordinary. You go everywhere in the States and nobody owns a kettle. I mean, no. most houses in the UK will have two or three kettles in nope. some cases. Nope. Uh, it's, and, and like, yeah, all sorts of other implements you've got over there that are weird. Like all your washing machines and dryers all load from the top. Yeah. Whereas in Europe, they all load through the side. Yeah. The so front. either we... We have both now, but for the most part, like and now they're going back to like the nine. Do you remember the nineties? They had like the stacked. Yeah, it was like dryer washer. We're going back exactly. to that now. Like, uh-huh. like LG just released like this huge like stackable thing. It's like I've I had one of those in college. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you never used it in college. <laughs> the, pinnac- the pinnacle of luxury is a stackable washer and dryer. But um, yeah, so I we bought a kettle, and so I I put uh-huh. my water in, I boil it, put my water in. I typically try to stop it right before it boils just because mm. once it gets, if it gets too hot, it, I feel like it's got a burnt taste. So I put okay. just, just to boil, pour it in, put my tea bag in and I don't use milk. You don't use milk at all. Nope. Yeah. I mean, I drink tea both black and with milk and yeah, I just take it as it comes to be honest. I'm lazy. So this, I, for me, it's a laziness thing. I don't want to go once I boil my water and get my tea bag and get my, you know, get it all squeezed out and thrown away. I don't want to go back to my fridge and get milk, so I just drink it like this. <laughs> it's just such a long walk from the kettle to the fridge. It's like six feet, and I can't be bothered <laughs> with it at, you know, one o'clock in the morning. So I'll just take it with me, and that'll be my tea. Good stuff. So you need to get a tea's made. Do you know what a tea's made is? No. Don't make me Google that. Okay. I will buy it. Oh, no. Oh, come on. Right, okay. Everybody on the European continent 
can email, I can send Travis, copy him in on your teas maids. So a teas maid is basically an alarm clock that makes a cup of tea for you. So you wake up with a hot cup of tea. So it's a tea, it's were, a tea with a timer. Yeah, basically. So they were very popular in the kind of 80s and 90s. Big thing that would sit at the side of your bed and it would boil, boil the kettle beside your bed and do it all and you'd have a fresh hot cup of tea waiting for you as your alarm went off to help you wake up in the morning. We do that with coffee. You'd get, you'd get Steve Wright on the Radio 1 breakfast show and your hot cup of tea for those of you that remember the 1980s. Y'all, are, anyway, y'all across the pond are very weird. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, because we are the weird. Yeah, because American, anyway, Americans aren't weird at all. You don't do. I can't think of a single thing in America that ever upsets or makes everybody else go, huh? Never, never, anyway, never, never heard of it. Never heard of it. Good stuff. Well, thank you for joining us this week. I hope you enjoyed it. You can find us all in these places. Travis, are this week? Are you with dot or without dot on your Instagram account? There are zero dots. From here on out, there will be no dots. It'll just be watch Travis go. One word. Watch Travis go. And you can find the show on at the windup merchants. And you can email us both. You can email Travis at the windup merchants or you can email Rick at the windup merchants. So thanks for joining us. Make sure you join our Discord server. We have one. I can't remember anything about it, but it'll be in the link somewhere. Or just email us or message us and we'll give you the link. You can come and join in. And if you've got an elevator pitch because you're a brand or you're selling something or want to promote something in the watch world, it could be absolutely anything. Get in touch. And if you would like to do your own top five of any watch, you make the rules. And again, get in touch and you can send us your submission. Uh, so thank you for joining us. And uh, until next time, hope to see you again on The Wind Up Merchants. Goodbye. See you guys. <laughs>